helping students and healthcare professionals not just survive, but thrive with a purpose. This is the CMDA Student Pulse Podcast with your host, Bill Reichart, National Director of CMDA Campus Ministries. Well, welcome to another episode of CMDA Student Pulse Podcast. I'm Bill Reichert, National Director for Campus and Community Ministries here at CMDA. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Monica Pataki. Uh, Dr. Pataki uh, graduated from Georgetown University School of Medicine, completed her ob residency at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center, and is currently studying NAPRO technology in Omaha, Nebraska. And I had to look that up. NAPRO technology wasn't familiar to me. Uh, Monica, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Now, what we're going to be talking about is something called conscience in residency, and um, I don't want to bury the lead. Let's just just talk right up front. What is this ministry, Conscience in Residency? Conscience in Residency is a nonprofit organization. Um, We are not affiliated, actually, with any religion, or um, we are actually a non-religious organization, but our purpose is to counsel and mentor medical students and residents who have any sort of ethical objections in the practice of medicine. So we do tend to serve a lot of people who have problems with, for instance, abortion or birth control. And we basically say, this should not stop you from applying to the specialty of your choice. So if you wanna be an OBGYN, you can still do that. We have methods that you can use to avoid those things while you train and then when you practice as an attending and that's basically our goal is to encourage people to Mm -hmm. go after the specialty of their choice and to tell them how they can do that in the way that they want to do it and not what the mainstream would say that you should be doing as that doctor okay so i think this is going to be very relevant to many of our listeners as they consider their specialty and they consider some of the uh, ethical landmines they're going to face the challenges in the residency interviews the things that they're going to be asked to do or or they feel like they're going to be put upon to do but you've become involved in this i assume monica because i mean OBGYN obviously fraught with a lot of moral and ethical challenges in, in, in that specialty these days. Probably you had these very same issues as you were considering your specialty. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, I assume you were a, a, a recipient of the kind of coaching and help that Conscious Residency offered. Is that right? That's totally correct. Hmm. I was I consider myself a Conscience and Residency success story. Okay. Um, I've always been fascinated I loved pregnancy from when I was a little child. I was always fascinated by it. In high school, I used to read birth stories. That was my go-to um, thing to do when I had some free time. And I really went into medical school thinking that I really loved obstetrics and gynecology. Mm. But second year of med school, particularly third year of med school, I started realizing how difficult it would be. So a little backstory about me, I am a Catholic. Mm. Um, Catholics, among other things, cannot participate in abortion, birth control, and in vitro fertilization, or many other reproductive technology, artificial reproductive technologies. And I started to get really, really nervous that this is not gonna work out for me. And so I tried so hard at third year of medical school to fall in love with any other specialty mm. other than OBGYN. And it was a fail. I hated everything <laughs> except OB. Mm. And I found Dr. Kara Buskmiller, and I can't remember exactly how I found her or how I found Consciousness Residency. Perhaps it was just a Google search. Perhaps someone told me about her. Um, But I ended up talking to her over the phone. 
And that's basically what Conscience and Residency does. It takes a mentor who has already gone through that path, um, in this case, Kara, and links her up with mm-hmm. a medical student like me or a resident. And we just have a conversation. And she told me how she had managed to do it. She had told she told me the tips and tricks that she had used during her residency interviews. Mm-hmm. She told me how she was avoiding things in residency that she didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she she told me how to avoid, you know, doing a, abortions, how mm-hmm. to work it out with your colleagues that they would be willing to uh, fulfill birth control prescriptions for you. Mm-hmm. And I just remember leaving that conversation feeling for the very first time, like I didn't have some crazy dream that was unrealistic. I felt like this is something that has been done before. Mm-hmm. I can do this and this is possible. Just that knowledge, first of all, helped me go forward and face my medical school and say, I want to do this. I know mm-hmm. this is not the typical thing that's done, but other people have done this. I have spoken to them. This isn't me being crazy and weird. This is a possibility and I want to pursue this, even though it's yeah. not going to be the easiest thing in the world. So Kara comes alongside you as a coach, a mentor. This is long distance. Um, mm-hmm. You're having, I assume, just conversations as needed. There's, 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 it's not a one and done, but I imagine it's a, it's an ongoing kind of relationship you, you all are having. And were there some discussions about looking at residency programs as well that were uh, friendly to someone of faith? Uh, was that also in the equation as well? Were you looking at, at residency programs that would be be friendly to your faith and to your conscience? Absolutely. So that was obviously my biggest concern, how to find those residency programs. Uh, so she basically told me what to look for in the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the time I went through it, however, Constant Residency has had a it might have already been around a little bit when I was applying, but we definitely have updated it. We now have a list on our website okay. of programs which are friendly to people who don't want to prescribe birth control or do abortions. Okay. Um, and that's updated. We try to update it yearly, so it's very up to date. So basically, it's all the programs, all the OBGYN programs in yeah. the country, and then comments from applicants who actually interviewed there. So that's okay. very, very helpful. That is- I think I did have that list when I was applying. It was much, however, shorter and with much less mm-hmm. comments. So that's been expanding as we've had more and more people go through this route. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's great. I know uh, CMD has a, a little bit of that as well. And then uh, I think APLOG has a, maybe a list. They've curated a list of, of, uh, of uh, Christian faith-friendly uh, programs that uh, won't, uh, uh, you know, potentially uh, uh, cause a, an individual to violate their conscience. So I think uh, I think those lists are helpful. I think they're great, but you're still good. You, you're interviewing. You still have to go mm-hmm. through that process. Were there what were some of the tips, the the things that uh, Kara uh, coached you on that w- was going to help you, one, get a better idea of this program that you were interviewing for, as well as for them to understand who you were, that uh, that this these issues of, of conscience were important to you? So some of the most helpful tips were to try to interview first and foremost as a normal candidate, Mm. not to make this ethical objection that we had the focus of our career. Mm -hmm. So to go into the interview saying, look, I'm someone who loves this field, someone who's really willing to work very, very hard, someone who's going to be a great team player in your residency program, 
I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be your dream resident, but there's just a few things about me that you should know. Mm. And these are the things. And then just to present it very honestly and openly. And mostly we also tell people to mostly do it to the program director. So don't, mm. when you're interviewing, you know, every person doesn't need to know about it. So mm. don't, you don't have to tell every resident you interview with every professor. Mm. I mean, for those people just act, just tell them, I am someone who really, really wants to be in this field and I will work hard mm. and then just about your background or wherever the conversation goes from there. However, we do recommend that you do tell the program director mm. because it's just fair. First of all, you right. don't want to put yourself in a situation where they're not going to be able to accommodate you. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they should know what they're getting into. And it's just going to go a lot more smoothly if that's on the mm -hmm. table. Yeah. So most programs will have an interview with the program director. If not, then either pick a very good surrogate, like an assistant program director, mm -hmm. or someone who, you know, would be able to uh, have some power and be able to inform the necessary parties of what, your views are, or you can email the program director afterward. There usually is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. They usually give you an email. So to let them know before you start matching. Monica, would you, oh, sorry. I, I was going to ask no. you, would you say though, okay, you do all that prep work, you, you put it on the table, you make your intentions known who you are. I assume that alleviates a lot of problems once you get into that residency program, but Perhaps maybe not always. I mean, even after all of that screening, all of those conversations, you get into a residency program, are there still problems or questions or concerns and, and, and challenges a, a, a resident may face? There are, um, and it depends on how familiar the program is with the situation. Mm. Some programs might feel like you didn't give them all the information they needed and they don't mm. realize exactly how great of a how many things you're not going to be participating in. Mm -hmm. For instance, a lot of people don't understand, like, no, no, I'm a Catholic and I am NFP only means I will not be prescribing birth control. And they mm -hmm. suddenly, when you match, they're like, wait a minute, how is this going to work? So there are times that you have to refine that and you will probably have, you'll probably meet with your program director and work on particular strategies of how that's going to happen in that particular residency program. I personally have never heard of anyone getting like fired after they've matched. Okay. So that's a good sign. And again, conscious and residency can talk with that person and give mm. them more strategies yeah. of how to, how to deal with certain situations. And many times programs realize, I know it sounds like a, at the beginning, it might sound to them like this is a huge, huge undertaking, mm -hmm. but as time goes on, they realize it's not that big of a deal. Residents do cover for them for each other a lot, mm. just because someone's sick, someone, you know, had to go to clinic unexpectedly. So if people are understanding and willing to help, mm. it usually does not end up being as huge of a deal on a daily basis as people right. would would think. Right. But that does not mean that there are, ha there have been people, unfortunately, who've had uh, tough yeah. times and, yeah. you know, and they've been very brave in facing those. And, you know, we've been focusing on historically so much so on uh, those, you know, uh, uh, specialties like OB-GYN because of the life issue, abortion, and so forth. This issue is becoming greater than that with now transgender medicine. And, and the, I mean, that's affecting just about every specialty gets touched on that issue. So these questions aren't just going to be for any one particular specialty or two. It's, it's really affecting all throughout medicine. So uh, I think everyone is going to benefit from these kind of conversations, no matter what specialty they're going in, because these issues are going to, whether they be the right to life issues, the abortion, transgender medicine, it's going to touch just about everybody. 
I completely agree. I recently heard an orthopedist speak and mm. orthopedics is usually a specialty where you would never have any, I mean, who knows, but usually people do not have ethical issues right. there. But he's like, well, now people will be coming to me and asking to change the shape of their hips. And all of a sudden I'm oh. on the front lines of this. And so I think that it's, this is, I think conscious and residency is very, very important, but it's going to be becoming more and more important because you're mm. right. It used to be, well, you have issues with certain things, just don't go into one or two specialties and you'll be totally fine. Not anymore. And you mentioned transgender mm. um, surgeries. Mm -hmm. There's also euthanasia, which is on the horizon already right. there in many states. And almost every specialty will be asked to weigh in on euthanasia because a cardiologist, someone in the cardiology field might be asked to turn off a pacemaker so someone can die. Wow. Or you know, or you never know how that's going to go. So a nephrologist might be asked to give their final opinion on whether these kidneys can ever recover or should we just let the person go? You know, you never know. So mm. don't think that, oh, I'm going to go into this or that specialty and just hide from, right. from this problem. You're, and unless you're someone who just rolls with every single punch without any sort of ethical dilemmas whatsoever, yeah. generally you're probably going to come to a point mm. where you're going to say, hey, I, I, probably I'm not comfortable with this or that. And how do I not participate? Mm, no, I think that that's a great point, Monica. There, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, we're going to be asked and called upon to, to, uh, uh, to make our ourselves known in, in so many ways. And, and I think what you're showing though, is it, it can be done in a very professional, uh, effective way, uh, clear way. It, it, again, um, I think the coaching of individuals like Kara and now you, I should say too, because mm -hmm. the, the idea here is that you've gone through this, you've benefited uh, from conscience and residency. You, you've, gone to go, you've gone through this process yourself. Now you're paying it forward in so many ways. You are coaching other students. Is that, that's correct, right? Yes, it's correct. And we have a network of mentors that we will link people up with. So it's not just me and Kara, we have other people we know of that we can reach out to. Mm. And if their schedule allows, we can link them up with a medical student mm -hmm. and, and have that medical student or that resident have a good conversation um, with someone who hopefully is in the same specialty as them. We're trying to expand our network of mentors among all specialties. Honestly, we're not there yet, but we are working on it. And at the very least, we have some strategies that we can build on from other specialties. So, I mean, we're going to hopefully get to the point very soon where we can cover every specialty. Well, that, that's ambitious, but necessary, of course, as we just discussed, this is affecting everyone. Those who can be mentors, though, I think it's important to understand now, you're, you're, in, are you, you're in fellowship now, right? I am. So those who are to be the mentors, you want to, they want to still be in the residency fellowship space uh, because there's a sense of uh, uh, proximity to having just gone through those interviews yourself, you understand the process. Once you become an attending, once you've graduated, then that's you, you kind of graduate out, don't you? you? To be able to mentor, is that am I correct in assuming then? We, that we don't have a hard and fast rule, but hmm. we do try to keep it to young, younger attendings, recently graduated okay. attendings, and uh, most of the mentors are residents or fellows, honestly, okay. right now. Okay. And that's how we'd like to keep it because, I mean, things change over 15 years and we'll see it, what happens. Mm -hmm. But overall, we do try to keep it to people who recently graduated. So I just recently graduated residency in June. So okay. I'm very close to this and I know exactly what's going on right. at this point. 
in 10 years, that probably won't be accurate anymore. What? So I, I'll probably graduate out by that point. But okay. we don't have a hard and fast rule that you can only be a mentor if you've only been out for like five years or something. But okay. in practice, the people who are interested in, in this are the current residents. And that's who we like to, you know, be able to link up with the medical students or the residents seeking help. Fantastic. Because that's, you know, those who may be listening, I mean, this is a podcast targeted uh, for students, but we have listeners all across the spectrum. People are going to be listening in and they may think, hey, how can I be a mentor? So, you know, you just heard uh, Monica describe, I mean, that uh, that window of time. I mean, if you are a resident, a fellow or recently graduate, you know, a, a young attending, then this would be something that you might want to consider, I think, to become part of conscious residency, helping younger, you know, the students as they're going through this process of residency, navigating these uh, ethical uh, challenges, issues. I think this would be a great way to serve. And uh, given your ambitious goals of really wanting to expand and, and have this kind of outreach, I think you're going to need all hands on deck. Uh, it's going to require a lot of help. So um, let, let's talk about the flip side, though, a student. Um, when when do you think is best for a student to reach out to uh, you all? I mean, at one point in their uh, training uh, career, a third year, should they start reaching out? Is, is that? I think you should start reaching out second or third year. Okay. Um, whenever you start feeling like you are going to go into, once you figure out what specialty you want to go to, honestly, mm. because that can help our coaching. I mean, you can reach out anytime. Like I, I would be happy to hear from like high school students if they just want to be, you know, very, very proactive. But I think we'd be most efficient and most mm. effective once you know what specialty you're going to, because sometimes you can even, we can really help you because we know what is expected from, usually we can, we know what's expected from that specialty. So for instance, when I was applying to OBGYN residency, I was under the impression that I would t not to do um, sterilizations or tubal ligations would be a huge deal. But once Kara knew that I was applying to that, she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like there is no like, unlike hysterectomies, unlike um, DNCs, there is no number of tubal ligations that they count. They, you can do, you can meet your numbers without ever touching a tubal ligation. And so, it's easier for us to counsel if we know what specialty you're going into. Mm -hmm. But if you also just want to talk about it, like a lot of people who reach out are on the fence. They're like, well, I really love OBGYN, but I'm really worried. So I'm thinking about that versus internal medicine. Mm -hmm. And we can, you know, that's a good time. We can give you a idea about what to expect in OBGYN residency with mm -hmm. the sort of ethical dilemmas that you are facing. Mm -hmm. And that helps people decide whether or not they want to go down that path because we feel that, Nobody should have to pick a specialty based on what their ethical beliefs are or their religious beliefs are. They should pick it because they love it and they should be able to work out any other problems as they come up in a, you know, if we are a fair society and a fair, um, you know, and if medical training is really fair and for everyone. Yeah. Well, I think this is this is a great ministry and uh, it is all volunteers. I mean, you guys, uh, this is grassroots. You, you all are, are putting blood, sweat and tears, your own energy, your own time, which I know as a fellow is not does not come around easy. <laughs> There's not a lot of time to go around. So the fact that you're investing in others in this way, that's why I think it's going to be real important that you uh, are able to have others join you in this uh, and to be a part of this. Obviously, those who have benefited from CIR are going to be some of the best, you know, uh, mentors and coaches because they, they've, they've, they've been on the receiving end of it. But I think anybody who hears this conversation, who says this would be something I, I could do, 
I could make a meaningful contribution for my faith to a, another young uh, man, man or woman's uh, uh, their journey as they're thinking about their specialty and how to do it in an effective way. Uh, I just uh, I think this is a it's a great work. And in fact, I almost see a. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to tell you all what to do in terms of your mission, but th this issue is coming uh, becoming very prevalent a little bit differently, yet still still uh, an issue for uh, undergraduate students applying for medical school. They're facing challenges. Those who are Christ followers navigating the, the interview processes there as well and, and in terms of their own faith. It's, it's becoming a challenge all, you know, all across the spectrum, um, whether it be uh, issues of uh, moral or ethical uh, challenges or, or just issues of being just identifying as, as a Christian, uh, is, is, I think is going to be challenging. Uh, continue to be, but I, I like what you're doing. I, I I think you you all are doing something very needful and very important because we want more Christians in these specialties. The last thing we want are folks like yourself, Monica, who would have abdicated the opportunity to be in a specialty like you are in. It's just so important to have your voice, your convictions, and your faith there. So. You know, as you're talking to this audience, anything you want to say to those who may be listening in terms of call to action, next steps, things that maybe we just didn't touch on or discuss? Pretty much, I think we discussed the everything I wanted to discuss. <laughs> I think that we did a great job. If anyone is interested in reaching out to us, please go to our website, uh, conscienceinresidency.com. Mm -hmm. um, you will find our email there, and that is the best way to connect with a mentor. Um, you can sign up for a newsletter. Um, we do send out sometimes job opportunities uh, for um, people who have graduated residency and have conscientious objections. So that's always nice, even if you're a student or a resident, to get those because you're like, see, there is a place for me out there once mm -hmm. I finish this long path. But if you actually have a very um, pressing ethical issue, um, we recommend that you email us uh, because that's what we check very frequently. Okay. And that's how we're gonna actually hook you up with a mentor. Overall, it's constant residency is whatever you want it to be for you. So I and Kara have a very long, now I think like six year relationship mm -hmm. that started from that one phone call. And I just mm -hmm. have asked her questions, texted her about ethical issues when I was like on call and needed a, a friend or someone mm -hmm. to run things past. But if you just want like a one and done situation, you just want to have a few questions answered and you don't need to, you don't feel like you need to reach out to us again, that's totally fine. We're not offended. But if you do want that long relationship and a long lasting mentor, then you can also have that. So don't feel like, oh, I just have like two questions. I'm not going to bother them for that. Whatever you need, please email us for it. We will be more than happy to, wow. to talk to you, work things out, um, give you ideas and mm. hopefully give you some good practical advice about how to get ask your fellow residents for coverage mm -hmm. and um and finish the specialty of your dreams with your conscience and not walking to any any ethical landmines so. yeah well fantastic monica i'm just so grateful you and kara are are making this investment and uh, you're so generous with your time and energy uh again i think this is just such a needful work in at a time such as this and i i pray that according to your challenge that students would take you up on this even if it's a one and done or if it's a if it's an ongoing kind of coaching uh, opportunity that uh, they would seek you all out and, and be able to uh, to get what they need so that they can effectively advance into those specialties that are going to like you say be uh, ethical and moral challenges but but can be navigated well and uh, oftentimes it just again takes somebody like yourself who are coming alongside them 
helping answer those questions, kind of re removing some of the some of the misconceptions. I think a lot of it has to do with misconceptions. We just we imagine it's going to be like this, or they're going to, we imagine they're going to be asking us to do this, when in fact it it may not be quite as we imagine it. And, uh, and of course, with you and your experience, you can speak not just theoretically, but you speak from practical experience. And I think that's the key in this ministry is having that experience and being able to, to speak with that. Again, Monica, thank you so much for, for the time. We're going to put the website in the show notes so people can reach out to you. I hope many do. And this may not be the last time we speak with you all. I think we may have Kara at some point come on and, and maybe uh, later on in our podcast cycle and uh, maybe share some more about this uh, consciousness residency because, uh, again, this is a ministry and a work that you're doing that is, 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 is needful. And I think it's important for our students to uh, to avail themselves of it. So thank you again, Monica. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is the part of the podcast where we tell you some things that you need to know. The first is the Remedy Missions Conference. If you're thinking about missions, want to learn more about missions, how you can do it, either walking across the street in your community or around the world, this conference is for you. We have two opportunities to attend. We have a West Coast Conference and an East Coast. The West Coast Conference is at Cal Baptist University, February 24th to the 25th. And the East Coast Conference is April 14th to the 15th at Liberty University. To get more information and how to register, go to remedy.cmda.org. And then I just want to remind you that our CMDA National Convention is coming up April 27th to the 30th in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is a fantastic opportunity to meet other Christian healthcare professionals. And we don't want you as a student to miss out on this opportunity. So we've got some special deals for you. Scholarship money that will cover your registration as well as parts of your housing and travel expenses. But to find out how to do that, how to get access to that scholarship money and to apply, you'll need to go to this website, cmdastudentlife.org slash NACON. And we'll make sure to put these links in our show notes as well. And then lastly, don't forget to download the CMDA Student Life app. On it is a host of resources, small groups, Bible studies, this podcast, and just so many tools and resources that are, that are important for you, your faith, and for your work with CMDA. So make sure you go on the App Store or the Google Play Store and simply search for CMDA Student Life and download the app. And as always, you can find us on our social media sites using the handle CMDA Student Life. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Well, as always, we're just so thankful that you joined us for this episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast is a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the organization. CMDA is non-partisan and does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on Student Pulse podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members.